Hey, hey guys, and welcome to yet another episode of Getting Uneven, your go-to podcast for creepy stuff, weird stuff, the odd things. Uh, my name is Alice Corson, and I'm your host, as always. Uh, before we get started today, I just really want to give a shout out to everybody who's listened to even just a single episode, even just this episode. Thank you for clicking, for liking. If you really like it, just hit that subscribe button, show that you like it. Uh, I really appreciate it. It lets me know that you really do love what I'm doing, that you like what I'm doing. Like I said, if you have any feedback, you can hit us up on Instagram, uh, you can hit us up on Facebook, you'll see pictures all the time up there. Um, you can email us at gettinguneevenpodcast at gmail.com. But yeah, so uh, all the, now that that stuff's done with, let's get into this episode. Okay, so today we're going to be talking about something that pretty much everyone knows about, has at least heard of. Um, some of you may have been old enough to have lived through it and heard about it. Um, some of you, like me, are a little too young to actually have lived through it, but you know of it because it's everywhere. Uh, we're talking about Chernobyl. Uh, if you don't know what Chernobyl is, we'll go through a quick run-through of what it was. Um, but it's one of those things that it's everywhere. Like you, a lot of people know about it. Um, so basically what it was, was that in the Ukraine, which was part of the USSR, which was, is now known as Russia. Um, at that time they were working on nuclear reactors, um, for power plants, basically. Um, there's a town in the Ukraine called Chernobyl and they had a reactor there. And uh, a nuclear power plant there, and one of the reactors failed. Um, and if you remember the Japanese nuclear reactor that happened a few years ago, it's basically the same thing, except much more devastating. Um, or about just as devastating, actually, except they had a lot, we were less prepared for it. That's what it was. Um, so they were less prepared, and they had a lot of stuff go on, a lot of weird things happened. Um, and it was just creepy and it's still creepy to this day and that's why we're going to talk about it um but yeah so let's jump into it so chernobyl is one of those things that it's everywhere in pop culture there was that movie a few years back called the chernobyl diaries um if you ever played the original call of duty modern warfare call of duty 4 they had the great mission in there a couple of great missions that were in chernobyl in pripyat which we'll talk about as well um, and there, it's just everywhere because it's so, it was such a big deal back then. And then to this day, it's still so creepy. It's just the imagery that comes out of there. Um, and I said, you can look at a bunch of pictures that I've posted, um, that have been taken of Chernobyl and Pripyat, the closest city to the reactor. Um, you can t look at those pictures on Instagram at getting uneven podcast, or on Facebook, Getting Uneven Podcast, the page. Um, it's really, really crazy stuff. Um, but, you know, let's first, before we get into the creepiness, um, there's some really interesting and weird stuff that goes along with the actual tale of the reactor itself failing. Um, so before we get into the creepy stuff, I just want to run through what happened. So that way we can truly understand why all these things happened. And... It really, 
when I describe it, I want to try to give you the sense of dread and terror and suspense that was going through these people's minds as they were living this nightmare. Because it really is terrifying what happened. Okay, so it all happened on Saturday, April 26th, 1986. So 34 years ago from when this podcast, this episode, is being recorded. Um, so it is, like I said, it was a nuclear power plant. Um, the accident actually started, ironically enough, during a safety test on, uh, one of the nuclear reactors. Um, it, these things were commonly used, these types, it's called a RBMK, not sure what that stands for, uh, that type that, uh, was used throughout the Soviet Union. Um, so what they were worried about, the reason they did this test was, that it was a supposed to be a simulation of an electrical power outage. So obviously when you're dealing with nuclear stuff and nuclear power plants, a lot of people were worried about it because of the effects that we saw of nuclear radiation in Japan, right? After the dropping of the bomb in 1945, both bombs. Um, so people were like, this is, can be really good energy source, but uh, you know, what are the, what if something happens, right? Like if something happens with coal, okay, there could be an explosion or fire, but we can put that out. Well, what happens with radiation? We don't, we can't see it. Um, so one of the things was what happens during an electrical power outage? Let's say there's a, a sudden power outage. What's supposed to happen? So obviously there's uh, a back, you know, backup generators that are going to jump on, but there's a time gap of about a minute um, that was between the power going out and the generators getting the power plant, the reactor up to full speed. So that's what they worried about. So the reason is there's, you know, these cooling rods and cooling water that surround graphite rods, basically. Um, so w their worry was what happens if these things start to overheat? They're heating up so much that is a minute too much. So imagine this just shows you how powerful this stuff is that one minute, 60 seconds is thought of as maybe being too much time. Uh, you know, these things are just terrifying. Um, but, uh, they had done three such tests, uh, since 1982, remember this is 86, but they had failed to provide any kind of solution. So this was the fourth attempt. Um, but, Here is basically what happened. Um, so basically, they were going to run this test, and they were going to run it during the day. However, um, there was a power outage um, at another plant somewhere in the area. So Kiev, one of the main cities there. Um, called in and told them, hey, you need to delay your test. So instead of just saying, okay, we'll do it for another day, they said, we'll just push it to the next shift. So that next shift started it, and then the night shift comes in. It ended up getting pushed back 10 hours. Um, and it was supposed to be done at 2 p.m. Instead, it starts at midnight. The 
evening shift is leaving and the night shift is coming in. So imagine this, you're coming in to work your job that you already know is stressful and dangerous at a nuclear power plant. This is the 80s where we're still not 100% on top of things. And they're like, hey, just so you know, we're going to be doing your job. Oh, by the way, we're going to be running a test that could possibly have some interesting implications. We're like, oh, okay, cool. So um, they were just completely unprepared. Uh, but, you know, here's an interesting thing also. With that delay... There was an emergency core cooling system um, that was usually active, but they would need to disable it for the test. So instead of turning it back on for 10 hours and then shutting it off again, they just disabled it. They disabled it completely. Um, So it was off that entire time. Uh, That meant that two or three people spent the whole shift manually turning like a sailboat helm just huge sized valve wheels um so the interesting thing is this whole thing that i described actually wouldn't the fact that it was disabled wouldn't have any influence on the events on what would end up happening but allowing it uh to happen for that long to be disabled for that long it just really showed a low level of what i guess you could call safety culture that they didn't really practice um, good safety habits. Um, but, you know, like I said, they the new shift comes in, they were unprepared, um, and they were, they, they had to do their regular job, plus they had to do this, plus it was a night. So, they had to decrease the reactor, uh, the reactor power, um, but, you know, it's a gradual decrease, so it's from a certain amount, from, you know, the the ideal amount, you know, I mean, it just basically you're, you're having to lower it from, its nominal range is about 3,200 megawatts, okay, its output. So they're having to slowly decrease it, so from 3,200 to 3,000, they wanted to get it down to about 700, but at one point, it started dropping, 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 and boom, it suddenly hit near zero, which is bad. <laughs> because remember, this thing, if you've always heard of things being unstable, and that's bad, <laughs> really bad. Um, so you don't want that to happen. You don't want it to get to zero level because then suddenly all sorts of stuff, which people way smarter than me can tell you about, uh, bad stuff starts to happen with this radiation, basically. Um, the operators, they, they, they were able to partially restore power. Um, but it put the reactor, like we said, in a highly unstable condition. Um, the, here's the worst part of this to me is that the risks of what could happen were not made evident in the operating instructions. So like the little like book that they get, they're like, oh yeah, by the way, you could, you know, kill thousands of people with this. It's just like, eh, bad stuff could happen. This is how you fix it. Like. If anything, like troubleshooting a printer, almost. Like, I don't know. It just seems really, once again, we talk about the low level of safety culture. Um, It's just really odd. Um, Even though a similar accident almost happened a few years back to where it dropped down to near zero levels when they were testing, uh, they still didn't even think about what could happen. So... They actually proceeded through the test 
with a power level that was lower than prescribed. Um, so the test was complete. They did their thing. Uh, and then the operators triggered a reactor shutdown, which was pretty much normal. Um, but there were a bunch of factors that occurred uh, that made a uncontrolled nuclear chain reaction. And that, that, that phrase just scares the shit out of me. Uncontrolled nuclear chain reaction just sounds just, it just has bad written all over it. Um, so here's something interesting is that reactor four, if you want to talk about numbers or how about how big this stuff was, because I'm about to get into something really crazy that happened. This is when we start getting into the crazy stuff. So it's already been kind of scary. Now we're going to get into changing your underwear scary. So reactor four, which the reactor we're talking about, um, it had about 16 individual, 1600, I'm sorry, 1600 individual fuel channels. Um, and each of these required 7,400 gallons of coolant per hour. So doing that math, that's 12, it's about 12 million gallons per hour of coolant. So it shows you how much you're going to have to have in those pools that are sitting in those, in that, that reactor core, right? Um, but here's the thing. I told you about that uncontrolled, the uncontrolled uh, nuclear chain reaction. Well, because of that, a large amount of energy was suddenly released. So remember how I said that its nominal operating range was about 3,200 megawatts? So with this energy release, it suddenly hit over 30,000 megawatts, 10 times stronger than its nominal range. That's that, that just blows my mind. When this happened, it vaporized all of the cooling water that was in there and uh, all those gallons, those millions of gallons of coolant. It just vaporized it immediately. I'm not talking about boiled it really quick. I'm not talking about boiled it and within a few minutes it was gone immediately. Like when you drop uh, a little drop of water onto a, a stovetop, it's just that times 12 million gallons or however many million gallons. It's... It's crazy. Um, now, because of that, if you've ever seen anything get heated really quickly, the reactor core uh, ruptured. And there was a huge steam explosion, as you can imagine. So basically imagine a radioactive volcano. That's what this is now. It's spewing radiation into the air. Um, we can't even see it. That's the, that's the terrifying part. But the steam is going everywhere. Fire, smoke, everything. But radiation is spewing everywhere. Um so uh, it's just going crazy. So this happened, as like I said, this happened once again in April. And it wasn't actually, the radiation wasn't contained until May 4th of that year. So, you know, a, f a few weeks later. Um, and it just tells you how quick and how much stuff that it actually spewed out. Um, the fire that actually happened also had radioactivity in it and it spewed out, released about the same amount of contamination as the initial explosion. So it wasn't just the radioactivity. It wasn't just the fire. It was the radioactive fire. It's like, man, it's just everything. Um, the f interesting thing about this. So if you remember from history class, or if you lived through this time, the East and West weren't really, 
you know, in the greatest camaraderie, Russia and, you know, a lot, most of Europe and America weren't really the best of friends. So Russia didn't want to let people know that, hey, we messed up. Um, so actually the first country to send out an alert was Sweden because they were getting alerts on high radiation levels. And it's because of this contamination that was flowing everywhere because I was spitting out, running through the atmosphere. Um, so Sweden sent out an alert. They found out what happened. They're like, oh, shit. Here we go. Um, so it's just crazy. So after all of this happened, um, all of it sort of – we're going to go into putting it out and everything because that's a little creepy on its own. But after all the fires are put out and all the damage is slightly started to get taken care of, um, the radiation actually, about 36 hours after the accident, um, there was a sort of exclusion zone that was 6.2 miles wide. The radius was 6.2 miles. Um, but later on, it would be expanded. To over a thousand miles um, wide total, so it just shows you how much of an area this actually covered and how much it was. It's just crazy. Um, Forty-nine thousand people from Pripyat, the city, the town next to the reactor, um, were evacuated, and we're going to get into that in a minute. Um, later on, they would evacuate sixty-eight thousand more people from other areas. Um, but you know, it just shows you that. This stuff is terrifying, man. When I talked about how scary it, that it could be, and we were still kind of iffy about it, and then this happens, it's just really, oh, it's it's crazy. All right, guys, real quick, I'm gonna take one quick break. All righty, guys. So. Let's get into what I think most people came in here for, Pripyat. So Pripyat is the town just outside of the power plant where the reactor failed. Um, so the actual, like, people who, the first responders, that's what I was looking for. Um, so over time, there's going to be lots of people who volunteer, who help the actual firefighters and military and people who come in and try to help. And then there's going to be, like I said, volunteers and just, you know, when this kind of stuff happens, people try to help if they can. Over time, there are going to be over 800,000 helpers. Uh, that's amazing. But a lot of them would pay the price. Um, so let me tell you how radioactive this area was. Um, they knew the dangers. So they actually sent in robots at first. Yes, in the 80s, they had robots. They also had little RC vehicles that were used to go in and clear a bunch of stuff. Um, so, I mean, to, to clear a bunch of stuff and all the radioactive debris. Um, but unfortunately, the radiation was so strong that it destroyed the electronics inside the RC vehicles. Um, and the only remedy was to remove this stuff by hand. Um, so it shows you just how radioactive this this stuff was it was destroying basically the electronic makeup of these rc vehicles um some of the uh first responders that went in were actually exposed to more radiation 
than what was emitted at Hiroshima. Um, just for a quick reference, um, so a fatal dose of radiation is about 400 REM. Um, that's the unit of measurement. So that's basically saying that in 60 minutes, um, in one hour, the you know you can expose you can get exposed to about 400 what are called um, I'm not sure how to pronounce this, but I'm going to say Rowentgen. Uh, R O E N T G E N. Uh, so 400. Remember that number. That's fatal. The uranium fuel and graphite on the roof alone of Reactor Three, which was thrown on top of Reactor Three from Reactor Four, um, that alone emitted 20,000 REM. Okay, 20,000. That's 50 times more the fatal than the fatal dose. And then the surrounding areas, um, like some of the areas actually emitted 30,000 REM. That just tells you how crazy this was. If you want an even crazier stat, it took just 48 seconds to absorb a fatal dose. So these guys may or may not have known what they were getting into, these first responders, but they knew that it was risky. But they still went in and tried to do it there. So these guys are true heroes. They went in and they risked their lives. Um, some of their, some of them, uh, to, to show you how crazy radiation is, um, they were hit with such, they were so radioactive. They were hit with such, so much radiation that their eyes actually changed colors from brown to blue when they came out. It's insane. The effects of radiation sickness are terrible and terrifying. Um, they're a lot more graphic and all. There's too many symptoms to go into right now. You can look them up online. They are intense. Um, just a heads up. But um, I wanted to remember these guys for the heroics that they pulled, not for the way that they died. So I'm not going to go into that here right now. Okay, so let's fast forward now 34 years to 2020. Um, so Pripyat, um, you still can't visit Chernobyl, like the actual, like where the reactors are. Um, but Pripyat, you can actually, believe it or not, go to. Um, so there is a natural concern as to whether or not it's safe. Um, it, the actual area around Chernobyl was called the zone of alienation, or also known as just the zone. If you want to be part of the cool kids, um, it's actually relatively safe to visit. Um, they're actually, I don't know why I said actually like that, actually, um, several like Ukrainian companies that offer guided tours around the area. Um, <clears throat> and they'll actually take you to most places in the city. Um, the level of radiation doesn't really exceed, uh, about what's called one microsievert. Um, now that's still a good amount because an x-ray is about 0 0.01 microsieverts. So that's like getting a hundred x-rays, but um, it's not going to kill you. Um, 100 microsieverts, so the 100, 100 times the amount of what you get in Pripyat um, is the lowest level of which an increase of cancer is clearly evident. Um, 
So here's something. Let's start to get into some of the creepy stuff. This is probably what you guys were all waiting for. So, the exclusion zone contains a huge forested region. Um, it's called the Red Forest, is a nickname of it. Um, and something really interesting about it, the reason it's called Red Forest is because of the contamination. Um, you cannot go there, you do not go there, don't go there. Um, so, they said that the soil, it wasn't possible to clean the soil that was underneath the trees. So basically what that means is that these trees have soaked up radiation. So they've soaked up all their other nutrients and water and everything along with radiation. Their leaves and there are even some apple trees there that still grow apples. The apples themselves are radioactive. So these are basically trees of death. Um, kind of cool. Kind of creepy. Stay away. Next, um, there are actually a lot of dogs around there. So whenever these people left... So let's get into, before I even get into that, let's get into Pripyat and what happened. So that night, on April 26th, um, the people of Pripyat were, to, you know, didn't know what happened. Um, a little bit later, 36 hours later, they were told, hey, you have under an hour, 50 minutes to gather everything you need to live and get out. We're going to start a new town for you that's way away. We'll tell you what happened later. They had 50 minutes to grab everything. Some of these, some kids, um, there were schools that were abandoned. There were tons of stuff that was going on. Uh, just everyday life. And suddenly they were told, you have to get up and leave. And that's just terrifying. Um, so that includes leaving pets. Um, that includes leaving toys, abandoning homes. So when you go through here, you'll see all these, just a ghost of a town. So it's almost, I want to describe it as a radioactive Pompeii. If you know of Pompeii, the uh, city that was buried in ash and lava and stone from Mount Vesuvius back in 79 AD um, in Rome, then you know that it, we could see exactly what was going on at that time because it was buried in ash and stone. Um, so Pripyat, we can see exactly what was going on in the lives of these people. You know, they leave stuff behind and it's, it's just, it's creepy. It's, it's morbidly beautiful is how I'm going to put it. Um, so one of the things is there are stray dogs, about 300 stray dogs there. Um, they've of course sort of procreated throughout the years. Um, most of them don't live past six years old, unfortunately, because of the radioactivity. Um, and they recommend that you don't touch them. Um, they're actually, if you do visit there, you're instructed not to touch any artifacts, trees, building walls. Um, don't put your cameras on the floor and don't even eat outdoors. Uh, so that tells you that while it is relatively safe to be in, you shouldn't. It's still pretty dangerous. Um, it's safe to walk around, but don't do too much else. Uh, and so it's really crazy there. Um, so, of course, like I said before, it's really big um, in pop culture. And, of course, there was that movie, The Chernobyl Diaries, that came out. And it was creepy stuff. And everybody always wonders what's going on there. 
Well, there's a, a lot of stuff. You know, you'll see the normal things. Um, there is a famous apartment building there um, that stands pretty tall. People have said that they've seen ghosts in the apartment uh, block hallways. Um, that they'll see rescue staff ghosts just walking around places around there. Um, but the most common thing that you'll hear people say, people that don't even, they say that they don't believe in paranormal stuff, is that they, obvi they, they obviously, they always feel like they're being watched while they're in Pripyat. Um, they always feel like they're being watched. They always have that uneasy feeling behind them. Um, so something else that pops up is, so some people say, of course, that you can, predict things, uh, you know, that this could have happened. So this is just an interesting little factoid. Uh, the book of Revelations in the Bible, um, an angel predicted that a giant star, a wormwood star, would bring on doomsday. Um, basically, that's the gist of it. Um, well, the name of the wormwood plant in this region is none other than Chernobyl. Um, that's where the town got its name because of the Chernobyl plant or the Wormwood plant. So this Chernobyl star would bring on Doomsday. So it's really interesting. It's not necessarily Doomsday, but it was pretty terrifying. Um, it's definitely pretty ominous. Um, there's also been some reports of people seeing, oh, not seeing, but they saw before the actual before the event, so before April 26th, for about a week before that, people reported to the local authorities that they saw a large winged creature with red eyes um, f flying around the area, landing different places around Chernobyl and Pripyat and places like that. Um, and they were like, I don't know what it is. It's freaky. It's creepy. It's freaking me out. Um, and then this happens, and a lot of people say it was the harbinger of bad things that come. It was an omen. Uh, so there's a lot of weird stuff, a lot of things to really look into, a lot of things with Chernobyl. Like I said, there's some really amazing, just, the, the photos that come from there are just, a lot of them are just heartbreaking, and they're absolutely crazy and creepy. They'll give you nightmares of dolls just sitting around. It's almost like things you would see in a Hollywood movie, um, the skeletons of animals, you know, these elementary schools that were just abandoned, you know, everyday life. And I think it also hits home that, you know, people, if you remember after 9-11, people being terrified in America, um, if you live in America and you're listening to this, people being terrified of what was going to happen next, if somebody was going to attack or something like that, there was going to be an anthrax attack or a gas attack or whatever it may be. You know, if, you know, so constantly thinking that this could hit us. If you're old enough to have lived through the Red Scare and thinking of when we were terrified of Russia, you know, and, you know, that this could happen any moment. Um, and this wasn't even an attack. It was just a nuclear power plant that failed. It was something man, that man tried to control that we had too much confidence in ourselves. And it didn't turn out well. But, uh, yeah, so it, it can be pretty scary. And like I said, these pictures really hit home. But, yeah, guys, so 
that does it for Chernobyl and Pripyat. Um, I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Uh, it's really fascinating, really intriguing. There's a lot more information that I could even hope to cover on this episode. Um, it would be hours long, and it'd probably be boring if I covered every little bit of it because my voice isn't that great, I know. But, as I said, if you want to go to a, see a lot of other information, um, Wikipedia, which is where I kind of a lot of my information, um, has some great sources on there as well. Um, but there's a lot of great, great places to go and see um, just the devastation that occurred. Um, but you know, guys, once again, I want to thank you for listening. Um, if you're listening, you know how to listen, but of course you can get us on Spotify, Apple podcast, Google podcast, um, pocket cast breaker, all those different things. Um, you know, subscribe, write and review if you get a chance. Um, and then, you know, follow us on Instagram at getting uneven podcast, follow us on Facebook, Getting Uneven Podcast, the page. Um, email us, gettingunevenpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, message us on Facebook, message us on Instagram, however you want. Um, let us know how you think we're doing. Let us know how terrible you think we are, how great we are, whatever you want. Um, just let us know. So, uh, once again, guys, I appreciate it, and I can't wait to hit you with another episode soon. And as always, stay creepy.